Good to see you guys. Hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleep. That was awesome. Just found out earlier today that the 49ers lost. So that's discouraging. But uh, hey, we can't always get what we want, right? It's actually what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. Uh, what's in my heart that I want to share uh, is a little bit of uh, my journey uh, here um, and what God has done. Uh, but before that, I want to show a couple pictures. This morning, uh, our campus ministry met at Pepperdine, uh, and they had a, an amazing service uh, there, uh, the sacrifice, right? You know, the challenges of Malibu. Amen. It's for the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> And it rained the night before or something like that. But uh, So it's just uh, so encouraging to see uh, our campus ministry uh, continue to grow spiritually, grow in number, grow in impact. Uh, so grateful for them. I know some of us uh, were converted in the campus ministry, uh, and we're grateful for the campus ministry. Anytime we hear good news, even though we've been a few years removed from campus ministry, we're like, yeah, like we never left. Uh, and so... I was also converted in the campus ministry. Actually, Marco and Michelle were my campus ministers. And so I'm, uh, it's a bittersweet news. I'm happy because I know that they are a, a couple that loves God. And I know they're going to be okay uh, because at the end of the day, Marco is a man that loves God and he's a humble man and he takes correction and training and discipline from God very well. Um, and uh, I'm happy for them. Uh, but I'm also uh, you know, a little discouraged because I'm not going to have... Uh, Marco, our, our meetings are going to be a little more focused. Uh, if you've been around Marco, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's a, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Amen? Uh, don't tell him I said that. <coughs> Can we? It's recording. Great. Love you, Marco. Very grateful. Prayers and petitions. Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Um, you know, this is a passage that I've read for many years, and it always brings up an emotion. Uh, it always brings up a very specific uh, situation in my life that I'll share with you. And sometimes I've, I've sat before this scripture, and I felt a lot of hope. A lot of times I've sat before this scripture uh, and felt a lot of discouragement. Uh, so I don't know what you need today, but let me ask you, though I think I know the answer, do you have everything that you need? Do you have everything that you need? Or is there something in your, the top of your prayer list, the top of your longing, your desires that, that you just have not received yet? You know it's a good thing. You know it would help you. You know it would help the church or the family. But God maybe has said, no, 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 not yet. Can you relate to that? Life could be a little tough sometimes. Uh, as I'm going to share here in a little bit, I got to go back to the place where I was born, uh, the place where I grew up here a little bit, and I was reminded of my childhood, and I was reminded of what a great childhood I had. I grew up in Mexico, and so we didn't have a whole lot of technology, so we had our imagination. Can you believe that? We had each other, and we actually talked and played games. Uh, as I went back now, 
uh, I was like, oh, wow, things have changed here too. Everyone's sitting in front of their house before a phone, not talking to each other. I was like, oh, I'm going to fit right in. Uh, Instagram, you know, i got to please the followers. Uh, let's read here. Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You know, it's so easy to kind of grow up, whether you're growing up in a church or not in a church or in and out of a church, and have this view that the Bible is just kind of to discipline you and kind of to correct you. And yet when you read the actual Bible as an adult, you realize, wow, God is good. Here's God saying, hey, let me persuade you, let me teach you so that you should pray and not give up. He didn't tell them this parable to rebuke them or correct them, but to say, hey, life is going to be a little tough. Let me try and persuade you so that you and I can have an ongoing relationship. You know, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the message. When we read the scriptures, whether we're fully focused or not, it counts because it's something supernatural. But all of us, anyone could read or hear the scriptures. But what makes the change, what takes you from knowledge into a relationship with God is your prayer life. Without prayer, there is no way that you can have, that we can have, that I can have a relationship with God. And typically when you don't have a prayer life, you have a faith, but it's an emotional roller coaster faith. You're on and off few months at a time but without that prayer connection without you communicating your heart to god it's hard to call that a relationship and though these men had been with jesus they'd been inspired by jesus jesus said hey i'm about to leave you here for a little bit physically at least so let me persuade you so that you can keep praying what's important to god Above all things, I believe, is a relationship with us. When God looks at our lives and he sees what we need, what we lack, and then he allows certain things or doesn't, doesn't allow certain things, gives us certain things, doesn't give us certain things, I believe that he does it with the end in mind, which is heaven. At the end of the day, God is committed to get us to heaven. That's your God. That's so encouraging. And he goes on in this persuasive parable, He says, in verse 2, He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. You're like, hmm, that guy that gave me a tick. No, that's not him. (laughs) Verse 3, And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, thank you, judge. Verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice 
so that she won't, won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Wow. So God takes this extreme situation of this judge who doesn't care about people, who doesn't care about God, and this socially challenged person in the sense of doesn't have someone to protect her, doesn't have someone to, to guide her. She's by herself. She's a little older and a little weary. And God says, look at this situation. And then in verse 6, he says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And I'm sure at this time they're all encouraged. Yeah. But I think Jesus has still a concern right here. As he looks at them, wrapping up his parable, he says, he asks what question. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You see, Jesus equates prayer with faith. Because if we're not praying, we're kind of saying we don't have faith. How's your prayer life? Because I know, like me, you have a lot of challenges. You have a lot of needs. You have a lot of things that you are going through. Whether it's something extreme or it's just a four or five. <laughs> but we have, all have a past that can haunt us. The Bible says that our own hearts can, can condemn us and accuse us. We have an enemy that wants to distract us and numb us and silence us and destroy us and devour us. And we have a material world around us that's calling us to invest in it. And it's so easy to forget and lose sight of God. And so Jesus says here, hey, if this unjust judge who doesn't care about people will grant how much more will God who is good who created you in his image who wants to bless you who wants to encourage you and then he calls them chosen Jesus I believe is trying to persuade them and he's trying to persuade us to have the right mindset about God my son is at an age where he's asking for a lot more things, my oldest son. And I've been away for 10 days, so I came back to, what happened? Who are you? Let's, re, let's, let's reboot this. What, 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 what happened? But he's asking for a lot more things, and now he's picking up these little habits where he goes, if I say no or not yet or in a little bit or tomorrow, ah. It's like cute, but you're like, uh, it's normal. We, we're working with it. We're faithful. We're getting help. We're encouraging him. He's a kid. But aren't you and I like that? Because when we ask for something and God says, mm, not yet, But you see, my son, we were at my, uh, my uncle's, uh, my co yeah, my uncle's last, yesterday, and right now he's in this phase where he loves dinosaurs. 
And so he saw a dinosaur toy, and we're not at home, right? So, of course, he's like, can I take this home? I said, no, you got to leave it here, because once you get that habit of taking, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. I said, no, you got to leave But when you come back, you can play with it. Actually, you have something at home. Oh, so he keeps playing. The next thing I know, I see the dinosaur in his pocket. He's running around, like, with the little dinosaur head coming out. Oh, I got more things to worry about now. But aren't you and I like that? When God says no, we try to take it. And for my son, I believe his intentions are good. I don't think he was trying to steal, but he was definitely trying to keep. But sometimes when God says no to us, We, with good intentions, because we know we need that now, whether it's a relationship, whether it's more finances, whether it's, and we try to go about it our own way. Risking the possibility of maybe stepping out of God's will, which the Bible calls that sin. Creating a habit where you're doing things on your own. But you know, that starts with small things. I can see my son with those habits developing into, where'd you get that money? Where'd you get that car? (laughs) But God has given him parents. But I think for, for us, it could start the same way with, we have needs, but we don't pray. And we just kind of go about our day. And maybe we try to pray in the car or here or there or at a meal. And, but it's, it's, it's now just prayer, not necessarily a relationship with God. Where's that going to lead? See, all of us are going to be having little dinosaurs in our pockets. Because we want them. We need them. I don't want to wait till I come back next month. He didn't say that, but you know what I mean. And so Jesus says, hey, I got you. It may not be at your time, but know that you are chosen. Know that I'm good. Know that I want to bless you. Know that I want to lead you. Trust that I know what, I, or what I'm doing. And more importantly, trust that I'm taking you all the way to heaven. I'm committed to you. And we can read that and be inspired, but if we don't express our anxiety to God as he calls us to, it can cease to be a relationship. How's your relationship with God? I know that when I ask that question, I'm not challenging. It's, it's, it's good for us to evaluate, amen? That's what Jesus was kind of doing. Evaluate. Have the right perspective of who I am. You know, I came to this country when I was nine years old. My parents were divorced when I was three Uh, In Mexico, my family did not have much. My mom had to make the decision of leave me behind with my grandparents. To this day, we're talking about it yesterday. She started crying again. Every time we talk about it, she just cries and cries. Now, she's able to look back and see how God blessed us. But she still has that pain. And so I grew up with my grandparents from the age of three to the age of nine. And once my mom was able to have a consistent job, she brought me to this country with her. And so I came into this country to fourth grade. I didn't speak any English, so I just looked for the people that looked like me. 
and it was weird because they didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Where am I? And so I've been here since, since I was a kid. And nine years after I came here at age 18, I was invited to church in my first semester in college, and I became a Christian. And at that time, I realized, wow, I know why I'm in this country. God brought me to this country to help me study the Bible and become a Christian. And right away, as, we, as I heard and found out more and more about the church, wait, we're all over the world, wait, we're, this is not just us right here in Long Beach City College, like there's more of us? Oh my goodness, and you start going to the different conferences, and you hear different church being planted all over the world, and you're like, this is amazing! So, is there a church where my family is? And the answer was no. Not at all. And I remember visiting uh, and not having, not even finding a Bible in that city. Having a hard time finding a Bible. And years later I heard that, hey, there was a church that was planted there. But for me, the, the way that I entered the country as a kid, that means I broke the law. As a nine-year-old. And so as a disciple, I can't live about, i got to go about things the right way, the righteous way. And so I remember a friend came to me and said, hey, look, I got my work permit and I got my driver license. And I was like, oh, I want that. I mean, what nine-year-old doesn't want to drive? And as a disciple, I'm like, I need to drive, but I need to drive legally. So I went to the notary that he went to. Long story short, I was able to apply for a work permit. I was able to get my driver license, and I've had a legal driver license since then. Thank you, God. Just wanted to clarify. I drive around teens. It's all legal. God's good. But soon after, I started receiving mail from immigration that I was in the process of being deported. I was like, wait, what? So I went to the notary, and then there was no notary, and there was, the office was empty. She had skipped town. And she had been doing that for a while, collects money, applies for people, and leaves town. She does it all legally because she did the work as if I did it myself. The lights are going to turn on in a second. Don't worry. Somewhere. It's, so now I couldn't find this person, and I'm in the process of being deported and I'm going to court now and even the judge says do you realize what's going on here son and I had like no idea he said you are going to be sent back to your country I was like there's no church I didn't say that but I remember that process began now where I was now trying to get my an appeal for my case I was trying to get things worked out and I was trying to get things worked out legally in the meantime Met my wife, we got married, but she knew that there was a possibility in marrying me that we would have to leave the country. And she married me. Thank you, honey. (laughs) But at that time, we were ready to do anything for God. And so we went to see a lawyer, and after five years of that lawyer... You know, different phone calls, different appointments. We went to see a different lawyer. And in the first appointment with that new lawyer, she just looked at us and said, I am so sorry, but that lawyer has done nothing for you. Five years wasted. And not only that, it's looked because 
They actually haven't heard from you. He hasn't done anything for you. So it kind of looks like you've been hiding from immigration, which is really bad. So I said, okay, what do we do? We put together an appeal for my case to be reopened. And the appeal was no, because there's so many cases, they wouldn't even look at it. So second appeal, no. And it was the third and final one. Church is praying. This was two years ago, by the way. Church is praying. This is the last chance. If they say, we are not opening your case, as a Christian, I don't think I can stay here with a clear conscience. We need to move. We looked at the church in Panama. We looked at the church in Canada. We were just like, hey, where, what can we do youth ministry? Well, there's a little English so that we can be able to work together there as a family. And God opened that door. So they were able to look at my case and say, oh, yeah, this lady, there's, there's been a lot of complaints against her. Oh, this lawyer, he doesn't even practice anymore. Oh, okay. You're good. Now, we can't help your citizenship, but we're going to ignore you. That's kind of, because there's not a law that could help me. So I'm, I'm legally here, but there's nothing that could help me because of my situation happened before I was married, if that makes any sense. Anyway, you don't need all the details. But... The point is, my fear was that my grandparents would get ill and I won't be able to see them anymore. And earlier this year, my grandfather got really sick and I put together a a request to see if I can leave the country as an emergency to go see him. My lawyer said, you know, this is going to take quite a while probably going to take about eight months and your case is a little complicated so it's not going to go to the LA office it's going to go to Washington and it's going to take about eight months and honestly I don't think they're going to give it to you thank you lawyer but I just felt like I needed to do it in part because I wanted to have a clear conscience that I try to do everything to go see my grandfather he raised me and so I send in the petition and then I really start and then my grandfather passed away And what I feared happened. And in the last few years, I've been grieving that as as I think about my family and the thought that I could never hug them, that I would never kiss them, that I wouldn't meet all my little cousins because we're a Latin family. There's a lot of us. (laughs) And I was just grieved. And there were times where I prayed faithfully. There were times where I would get discouraged. There were times where I had to be helped because I grew weary and ungrateful for all the good things I did have. I had a work bit. I had my family. I was a disciple. I can drive. I'm like, I'm no longer in a, my case is open. There's hope. But really with something that big with like immigration, it's so complicated. By the way, I'm not sharing this to change any of your views. I'm just sharing my story. Amen. We're at church. Um, And so, kept praying, and I remember many brothers said different things to me at different times to encourage me, and I remember Al Baird's words, I'll never forget them, he said, because I, I would always, every time we'd, the subject would come up, I would just be like, oh man, and I remember Al just looked at me and said, you know, your story is a miracle in the making, in Al Baird fashion, and then he kind of walked away. Arizona somewhere (laughs) but I always held on to that that little mustard seed and every time I read the scripture I should always pray 
and not give up. Because there's many times I wanted to give up. Give up on God first. Blame God. Stop praying. Not believing. I know enough to be a Christian, so I can do it. But this could be totally detached. And that was a struggle, and that was a temptation. And about four months ago, I got a call from the lawyer and said, hey, your permit came. You can go visit your family. I was like, this is Martin Jimenez Chaitis. Do you have the right person? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, yes, yes, because they remembered me. And so I was able to go uh, from October 17th through the 27th to go see my family after, 20, after 14 years. Um, and I share this at the risk that I'm sharing too much about me, but it's really about what God can do. Because you also have things you're petitioning God for, whether it's a child who has wandered off in their faith, whether it's health, whether it's a finance situation, whether it's the church itself. We all have different things. And God is saying, hey, 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 don't stop praying. Because you have that need, so you're going to go and try and meet that need. But there's a risk that you may go and try and meet that need without me. Don't go there. And then Jesus says, will I find faith on earth? And so I bring you good news from a distant land. Because now there's a church, we have a sister church uh, where I'm from. And so I was able to see my family there for the first time, and it was quite a shock because I flew from L.A. to Mexico City, and from Mexico City to the city where I'm from, it's called Tepic. You were like, where in the world is that? It's two hours near Puerto Vallarta where you go on vacation. That's where I'm from. Uh, It's a little bit smaller than the San Diego area, a growing city. And uh, as we were there from Mexico City to to Tepic, you're going to learn that word, um, we're kind of there waiting on the airplane. We're like, what's going on? Let's do this. Let's do this. I got my window seat ready for Instagram. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this military car pulls up, and all these men with guns and men handcuffed come into the plane where I'm in. <laughs> no wonder they moved us to the front. Like, are you seriously about to use us as a shield? <laughs> God, please. Don't let there be a shootout. I need to see my family. I am laughing about it now, but that was a really awkward two-hour flight. But getting there, my family was waiting. They had a banner that said, Welcome, Martin. And I just broke down in tears because I thought it would never happen. I can't tell you how many times I just thought about my grandma and I just cried that I... I'm grateful for Facebook and Skype and all that, but it's just not the same. And you can't taste her food that way. So it's just not. And so I came, and they were there waiting for me. I just started crying, and I was like, God, did you just do this? Is this for real? Because I was guarding my heart until I landed. You know, I didn't kiss the floor because I was scared of all the guns, but I probably would have if the guns weren't there. And so they didn't, I, just, I just ran to my grandma. She raised me. That's my, that was my first mom, you know, as a three-year-old. And so they said, oh, you can't go because you've got to wait for your luggage. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't. Eh. So, you know, even though there aren't people, but I was just so grateful. And I thought about, man, this is how it's going to be when we see God. Are we really here? Are we about to see him? 
And I think for me, and I think some of us, we're probably just going to fall on our knees in guilt and shame. Like, ah, he knows everything! (laughs) But I think he's going to pick us up and say, I got you. Your sins are covered. Come in. I know who you are. But I died for you. I remember your confession, Jesus is Lord. I remember your self-denials. I remember how you didn't give up and you kept praying. I find faith in you. Come on in. And I did get to spend 10 days there. A couple pictures. I got to see my grandfather. Well, I got to see his grave right there. Uh, This is 22 years later there with my cousins. That's the street that I grew up in. That's a little Instagram picture. It's intense. It's my grandma right here. A little family get together. This is their welcome banner. And here is the church. This is, uh, at times it felt like I was in an Iraq movie. All the federal police are there. Four years ago, there was a war for my city, where I'm from, between two cartels fighting to see who would distribute the drugs there. It's peaceful now because one cartel won. I don't want to say more because it's being recorded. (laughs) But it's intense. But you know what's more intense? In a good way, people are so open to God because they just went through a civil war because they're, they're disappointed in the, in the institutions of, of religion and government, and they're open. And our church has been there now for 10 years. There are 34 disciples there. They've never had a full-time minister because they can't afford a full-time minister. And I just thought about, man, we got it all together in the West Side. Like, we maybe not feel that. But I was so grateful for us and what we have, but also felt like guilty for what we have and what they don't have. But the warmth, the genuine love there is amazing. Real quickly here, and I took some video clips. We're, we're putting it together, and during mission time we'll show it. But there's a campus student there. There's a couple campus students. He's studying medicine. And this brother right here, his name is Cesar. He likes to be called Caesar. <laughs> he does. He became a disciple, left God, and just went crazy, like, I just, want a, I just want a vacation, I'm wealthy, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there. And he went back to the city of Tepic to just to hang out and party. And when he got there, he says all of his friends were dead. And he was just in shock. And he knows the truth. So he started looking for the church and was restored in the church there. This sister right here, Micaela, she was a folk, folk singer, very popular there in that city. But after achieving fame and at the end, she was just open to God. One of her granddaughters is a disciple in our sister church in Texas. She connected her there. She studied the Bible and got baptized. I met a couple that was baptized in the central region here, Lifeway, who left God, went back to their country, their city where I'm from, and started having trouble in their marriage and said, we need to go back to church. Let's find out if there's a church here. Yes, there is. They went back and got restored. And I went to two, two Sunday services in their midweek, and I took my family with me. My grandma came to church. I had to, like, I sneaked a picture. I'm like, I, I can never forget this. 
my cousins came to church. My cousins studying the Bible. Two neighbors came to church. My friend that I grew up with from my childhood came to church. People are so open. The church right now has, there's 34 disciples and they have 22 Bible studies. Because they're all, they're all sold out. They're all focused. They, 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 they genuinely love one another. Imagine if all of us were focused. How many studies could we have? How many people could we have be pursuing God? And I'm so grateful that my family now is connected and is studying the Bible. And as I was there, every song, I was just crying. I was kind of in shock. Like, am I really here? Am I about to take communion? Like, is this a dream? I'm really sentimental, so I kept the communion cup. Because I don't ever want to forget. There's a lot more I want to share. Sorry, we're only a little long here. But let's go to Philippians 4 and wrap it up, and we'll take communion. Amen? Again, I want to pass this on not so much because what God has done for me, but more what God can do and what God wants to do. Now, my challenge is not over. I still have about a year or two, the lawyer says, of different situations. But I was so grateful that God opened this door. My, even my lawyer was shocked that he gave it to me. Maybe I should look into another lawyer. But anyway. <laughs> In verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and what? Petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We all have needs. We all have things that we need, but maybe we're not petitioning God. And the word itself, petition, means you may not get it right away or you may not get it at all. But God says, hey, don't let that stop you. Keep petitioning. Present your request. We all have requests, but maybe we don't pray about them. And then Jesus says, hey, will I find faith on earth? As I said earlier, we want that little dinosaur. And if we don't get it, we're going to keep it some way. And that can develop a bad habit. And it's the same thing with God. You know, Paul goes on to say, hey, whatever you've seen in me, go ahead and imitate it. But when Paul was in prison, this is what he did. And he was, he's talking to the church in Philippi, and this is when he was in prison in Philippi. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, that's just not logical. You're in prison? Hey, bro, let's, let's go ahead and sing a song. <laughs> what you got? Let's do that one. Uh, what? You see, Paul could have done other things to try and get out. Persuade, bribe, because he has a need. What's the need? Freedom. But he chose to go to God. Let's imitate that from Paul. Let's be persuaded by Jesus. And I hope my story could be useful to inspire you of what God can do because you too are chosen. You too are being being persuaded to say, hey, pray and don't give up. Hey, present your prayers and your requests for that child, for that spouse, for that family member, for that situation because God 
is faithful. The worst thing we can do is not go to God in prayer. And we'll keep growing in our knowledge, but our heart, our relationship can die out. I'm going to say a prayer and let's take communion. And I want to encourage you to pray and think about that God is looking at you and saying, hey, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep getting your heart in the right place. I'm on my way. Let's pray. Father, uh, we're so grateful that you care for us, that you want a relationship with us, that you want to bless us, God. And Father, we want to be blessed by you, but sometimes we want certain things right away and Help us to be patient and wait for you, God. But help us to not keep requesting and petitioning for the things that are deep in our heart, the things that really matter, God. What matters is salvation. Father, what matters is being right with you at the end of the day, God. Father, we pray, God, that we can be focused right now. Thank you for Jesus. Father, that in his days, Father, he prayed and petitioned with loud cries and tears, the Bible tells us. And God, that those were the days that he lived, Father, he himself petitioning you. Help us to imitate him, to imitate Paul, to be persuaded, uh, Father, by Jesus. Father, we pray these things in his name as we take communion, as we take the the bread uh, and the juice, Father, that represent the sacrifice so that we can have it all and we can take your hand and make it there one day, so that we too can see that welcome banner with our name, God, so that we too can have an inexpressible joy in our hearts, in our souls, and finally be with you. Thank you that you care about the very end. Help us to keep praying and petitioning and not give up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.